partnered up with a solar company and we started promoting solar roofs on uh, my dad's channel being produced from the studio. Hmm. Four months went by at that point and we generated over $50,000 in commissions. Welcome back to another episode of Attractive Mindset. And today's guest, this man is a champion in the industry. I sat on a panel with him and he spoke nothing but gems. Owns a studio in South Florida, Miami. And it's one of the biggest up and coming studios that you got out there. Speaker, influencer, OCD specialist with Wired Studio, extravagant Mr. Famous Angel. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? I like that top off the, off the top of the dome. You know what I'm saying? We're kind of good at that. That's good. You know, that was really good off the top. No, but man, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your space. Of course. Of course. Um, I really appreciate it. And then there's a lot we can get into today, man. Whatever yeah, man. you like. I'm an open book. In other so, words. you know, this is attractive mindset. You know, we like to focus on like the backstory or how people even get into some of the spaces that they get into, you know, because yeah. we see the social media stuff, we see the accolades, the awards and all of that. But knowing who the actual person is also matters. Very true. Very true. And for me, I've always uh, been behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I've been the guy who is OK with like having the spotlight. But as soon as that spotlight is on me, I quickly move it away and put it to the people that are around me mm -hmm. just because it's just it's in my nature. Like I'm here to serve and I don't think that I needed to be in front of the spotlight in the beginning. Um, and as time went on, I figured that it's time for me to come from behind the camera. And now people are like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, we sound very similar. <laughs> I'm the same exact way, you know, and, and it makes you think sometimes like, man, what would have happened if I chose to build my self brand along with my actual brands? No, 100%. I feel like my my one of my best friends, Fernando. Uh, F2 Garcia, he he is the type of friend that you have around you that will always keep it real with you. When I first met him, um, he literally told me, he's like, look, man, I love what you're doing, but I'm about to get married. Mm -hmm. So give me till this date and I'll be 100% on board. And I respected his honesty to a point where I was like, I've never had someone or a partner give me like that level of honesty and transparency and say, look, I know that we need to play at a certain level, but I can't play at that level right now. Mm. And then he's always like in my corner telling me, bro, like you need to, you need to be out, out front. You need, you're good at networking. You're good at doing all that kind of stuff. And that's really what like drove me and pushed me. The people around me didn't let me fall mm. after a certain point because there was a lot of failure along the way, like to get to this point where I am today. I, I took a lot of L's. I remember that one. Here. You said you lost like seven grand. Bro. <laughs> that that's such we could get to that story in a little bit. <laughs> because it just as soon as you said it, bro, it brings back so much memories. But there was so many, um so many decisions along the way that like if if the stuff that I hadn't ex experienced in the past didn't happen to me, that loss would have been a lot greater because i wouldn't have uh slowed down at certain points along the process okay so it was definitely some more than i could chew uh but i did learn a lot from it and i feel like it's probably prepping me for something later gotcha. i'm big on connecting dots i'm big on looking backwards and understanding that the stuff that i've gone through eventually prepared me to know what it feels like when i need to kind of action or change or pivot in the future right so a lot of my past experiences have really led me to to kind of overcoming a whole bunch of hurdles, man. A bunch gotcha. of things along the way. 
Okay, okay. So, you know, let's let's start from the beginning. You know, basically who who is Angel? Ah, uh, bro. I have this thing on my uh on my account, on my social media where uh people look at it and they're like, "Oh my god, this is like the best video you've had." And all I really did was just tell people that, you know, "Hi, my name is Angel. I'm a Renaissance man. I'm the type of person that grew up always wanting to know what things how things worked." Mm-hmm. Uh and along the way, I opened up a podcast studio. And I'm really good at helping people tell their story. Mm. Like I can really help break down someone's meaning or purpose and what they're doing and help articulate it a little bit better. Right. Um, But I want to emphasize that Renaissance man aspect. Right. I really I took it a, a, a point to try to not just master things, but be very curious along the way. Okay. So even if I knew about something and I, and then someone I met along the way was like, yo, you could do this a little bit differently. Switching to the student mindset was something that happened very often for me. Mm. So I think that by doing that, I was able to expose myself to a lot of different things and a lot of different um, learning opportunities that built upon that like level of knowledge or well-roundedness right not just in speaking but in technical aspects and administrative stuff and accounting like it wasn't just about the hustle for me it was about really understanding every piece of it so that later down the line when i needed to delegate it out i understood a little bit more about it Mm -hmm. right it wasn't like i didn't know and i was hiring someone just to solve a problem gotcha okay always a student always always a student always a student okay and so what made you want to get into you know even becoming you know good at podcasting and you know studio work so the podcasting journey was really um was really fun uh pandemic hit Mm. and i was a big event photographer um asmr sorry (laughs) but um i was an event photographer I made a lot of my money off of that, uh, doing stuff for like CONCACAF, uh, Budweiser, McDonald's, big brands. And when the pandemic hit, I had to rethink and restructure how I made that money. For me, uh, my dad was built with starting to build a YouTube community. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a prime investigator for over 25 years, and he had to pivot as well and started uh, generating content around political topics, Dominican Republic specifically corruption in the caribbean we have a lot of knowledge being prime investigators for a long time we have people that still send us information Mm. so long story short he's sitting at the kitchen table making videos and the whole family is is like what are you doing bro like get off the phone you know like come join the family you still hear us if you go back to those videos that now have a million and plus views Mm. you hear the family in the background hating right and that's like such a big like aha moment for me that he pushed through all of that stuff all of the people doubting him and then i caught i peeped game around 500 followers Mm -hmm. and i was like you're doing something let me help you out and i started producing using obs Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've used obs twitch twitch streaming so it was similar like an office we had in the house and i set up a set for him and I would be just like that right behind the camera with my computer producing the OBS, mm. running the graphics. He would talk about a topic, put a video up, put a photo up. And little by little, a thousand followers, mm. 5,000 followers, monetization hit. Mm-hmm. 
10,000, 30,000, 50. It kept growing. And the monetization checks started at 200, 300 a month. I was like, all right, it's cool. I'll keep it, you know, tucked away. Let's mm. see what happens. Then $1,000 a month. Mm. Then three a month. Wow. Then five. Then 10. And I was like, bro, this is uh, this is spiraled out of control. And now I'm overwhelmed because I was never prepared to handle a full production. I was just trying stuff out with my dad. Mm. And I was just like, man, I remember talking to my cousin. I was like, man, this is getting really difficult to do all the other stuff, plus manage his account and continue this drive going. And I remember him telling me he's in the Marines. He's like, he's like, you know, you need to realize that right now the suck is going to become easy. Yeah. So you just got to embrace the suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just embrace it, deal with it. And then six months later, you're going to call me back and tell me, oh, that was easy now. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you just put in the reps, you, mm -hmm. you put in the work. And lo and behold, that's what happened. It became easy. Mm. So easy to the point where I was like, you know what? I was putting it like beside him where that he couldn't do it on his own. But then I taught him how to do it. And he was able to run OBS on um, a 65 year old man wow. running OBS on his own. Doesn't speak a lick of English. Mm. And he was good, good to go. And I was just monitoring and kind of like making sure he didn't fall out the rails. Mm -hmm. But he just kept going. Well, we took that money. And we opened up a studio. Nice. Bro, that was another. So you remember I told you embrace the suck? Yeah. There's some weird thing that happens as you're going along this journey that you embrace the suck. Pause. It becomes yeah. easy. And then another suck comes up. And you're like, <laughs> oh, damn. Now there's another level of suck, right? Facts. And as you keep growing, right, that, that becomes like your level up. Every mm. time you, you know you're going to level up, it becomes really uncomfortable, hmm. right? So I stepped into a situation where I had a partner. Mm. Um, and let's just say these people had no idea how to run a studio or anything like that. But I negotiated my terms to say I have management percentage. Okay. I'll manage this thing. You just cover costs and you this you'll get a 50% profit off of it. And you know, we'll split it. Sweetest deal in the game, right? Because you yeah. have an operator that's willing to manage it. And all you gotta do is all you have to do is cover the costs and continue investing mm -hmm. and then move forward. Well, not everybody knows how to do business mm -hmm. the old school way. Yeah. I'm a man of my word. And like, if I'm going to say I'm going to do something, it's because I've backed it up with a plan that's going to make sure that I don't like look bad. I don't like my word doesn't fall on the floor. Right. Yeah. So one month came by and partner didn't pay for his half of the rent. And I was like, oh, all wow. right. All right, well, let's, you know, we'll let it go. Next month, can't come up with the month of the rent. Mm. I'm like, bro, right? In the past, I would probably let it go. Mm -hmm. But because I had that experience with a prior partner, I was like, something, I felt a gut feeling that was like, this is going to be uncomfortable, but you need to do it. I ended up having the conversation and let's just say it brought up a lot of heated debate on how business should run, mm. Right. But because I had my contracts in place, I had my partnership agreement in place, I had my NDAs in place, all of those things protected me so that I could have the conversation with them man to man and say, look, if you're not in this game, like step out because you're you're blocking me from my dreams. And at this point, I'm at a level where I can literally see the light at the end of the tunnel, mm. you know, 
after taking all these L's, I now see the light and I'm like, okay, we're now in the right direction. I know that I can be successful in this, but there's this obstacle in my way and they just have don't have the experience that I have. You got to get out of my way. Thanks. So I respectfully had that debate, right? I didn't lose my shit. You know, I did lose my shit, but then I retracted. <laughs> but um, that opened up the conversation to negotiate for a departure from, from the partnership. Mm-hmm. And I guess because of their inexperience and their, you know, they weren't too business savvy, uh, they gave me the whole business uh, with just giving them computers and like monitors and stuff. So I guess they thought maybe by taking away the equipment that I wouldn't be able to execute. Little did he know that I had Dominican power behind me. Mm. So literally within 24 hours, my Dominican crew was in the studio with a new computer, two new monitors, mm. everything I needed, plus gondolas and chuleta in case we were hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my boy's mom comes through with a whole pile of like rice. But that just goes to show you that when you're around the right people, they won't let you fail. Mm. Like when you're around people that are invested in you and believe in you, they'll see you slipping, but they won't be afraid to tell you. And that's where that's where the beginning of feeling like I was riding a wave came because when they lifted me up and they didn't let me fall, it was like, okay, well now I got to do something with this. And I'm telling you, that's where the another suck came in because I thought I had a plan, but remember I had never run a studio before. This was an idea in my mind. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden I needed to understand where's my clients, mm-hmm. where do I get them from? How do I continue sales? Where do I apply systems to make the process easier? Mm-hmm. Like so many things came up after that. But that is literally the turning point where I took my entrepreneurship journey, like by the balls. Like I was like, that's it. And how, and that was, you said 2020? Yeah. Beginning of pandemic. First, first year, year and a half is when okay. all this happened. And so now fast forward in that same experience to 2023, what do you feel like you've gained since then? Man, uh plethora of information so first i had to understand where the client base was i didn't understand the industry i was in i thought i was in video production Mm -hmm. because i had come from event photography event videos and i was like okay well this is just a space to extend that and maybe create more content for people Mm -hmm. so i was doubling down on the youtube concept So whatever got me there, I was going to say, okay, well, let me get more of what got me here. Yeah. And I started um, trying to manage other YouTube accounts to the point where I got 20 YouTube accounts managing all these different niches from car shows to cooking shows to like all sorts of stuff, trying to build like a a mini network, if you will, Mm -hmm. which now is like the thing like for podcast uh, studios to, is to yeah. build like a podcast network, right? I mm-hmm. didn't know that. I was doing it too soon. I didn't understand the whole picture yet. Um, and I didn't see the revenue coming in from all the channels I was developing, not enough to kind of maintain the studio. Luckily enough, I was I had the backing of the first YouTube, my dad's YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which that kind of like gave me a safety net to take risks you know, because yeah. the sales model wasn't implemented, but I was still generating revenue passively. Mm-hmm. So it was a win-win. So then I say, okay, well, if these other channels aren't bringing in the revenue, let's double down on the channel that did get us here and let's just change the sales model. So I applied affiliate 
programs. Mm. So we partnered up with a solar company and we started promoting solar roofs on uh, my dad's channel being produced from the studio. Hmm. Four months went by at that point and we generated over $50,000 in commissions. Wow. On top of the monetizations. Damn. Mind you, you say that, right? Me telling you the result. Mm. But leading up to that result, my checking account was zero. Mm. I was dipping into my other funds from other businesses to pay for for stuff. Not the rent because the rent was covered by the YouTube channel. Yeah. But it was hurting. It was to a point where I was like, if I don't make it past this week, this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough one. And I can't explain it to you, man. It's not even like logic. It's not even like, hey, he implemented a good sales strategy. It's not. I can't even tell you from one day to the other how a bag landed on my lap, mm. an entire bag. It was like, yeah, all that doubt you had, fuck that. Here's 50K. Keep going. Mm. <laughs> I was wow. like, what the fuck? In one go. In one go. Damn. And then the vultures started coming out because then when people peep game, that that's what landed. They were like, yo, so let's like, let's make collab go here and let's make collab go there. And like, let's turn it into WeWork and shit. Like, we need you to drop like 10, 20 racks, like just coming in. And, you know, mm. I'm like, bro, slow down. Yeah. I know what going in the green means. Right? <laughs> you got you to gotta invest in your shit. I know what happened. Dude, the studio took, the previous partner invested 20K without any knowledge on how to do it correctly. Mm. I invested another 10K with knowledge to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And we went green within four months of operating, of mm-hmm. opening, right? That first year was soft. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand anything, so I was just taking clients word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So once we went green, I was like, I'm not going to go into negative again just because I want to grow too fast. Mm-hmm. Let me like really settle this in. Let me take my time. Mm-hmm. And I used that money to double down on equipment. And that's where I said, okay, let me drop six racks on some sure microphones. Let me figure out, okay, how do we record this stuff? And that then began the other level of journey of the process. Yep. How can I make the process a profitable process? Because the reason the the market or my industry charges at a certain level is because it takes time to do this like i'm sure behind this camera my boy that's editing is gonna have to do some work right yeah you have to do a little bit of work (laughs) okay (laughs) i get it you gotta sync the audio Mm -hmm. you gotta cut the clips even though now though there's ai if you haven't tried ai it'll do it in four minutes I don't know if you tried it yet, but you should we, We've it. heard about it. It'll do it a lot. You know, it'll do it generally. It won't do it like a human would do it, but it's not bad. It's not bad at what it'll do. It'll save you a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But eventually what happened is I said, all right, well, let me do more research. I found the industry. It was an event space is the industry I needed to be in. Mm-hmm. And when I learned that, that opened up the rabbit hole and I started to see all the other event space type of um, businesses. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, what are they doing to cut their time? The switcher came into mind, the ATEM mini switcher. That literally saved the business mm. because it turned an entire week's worth of editing of me rewatching an hour, a whole hour's episode, sometimes two hours of, of content, cutting it, coloring it, clipping it, putting the intros and all that stuff, which took over a week to 30 minutes. 
Wow. I got it to a point where you come to the studio, you sit down, you record your podcast. As soon as you stand up, it's done. What? Yeah, like I can make it that quick. Some shows, they don't give me all the prep material. They don't give me their intros or outros and stuff like that. And what that extends the time to maybe 72 hours. Mm. Because what ends up happening is I have to send them a cut and they send me intros and outros or they have to send that out to someone else to do it. I'm trying to make it so it's all in-house mm-hmm. um, so everybody can just get all the graphics and everything done in-house. But that switcher alone, what it does is it creates a project for you with the cuts already there, sync to the audio already there, mm-hmm. and a safety track in case something happens to the audio. So I was like, bro, this is magic. <laughs> and I just started going ham after that. I put ads on the on peer space. I put ads on the on the studio space. And people were coming from everywhere. I had people coming from L.A., Atlanta. Mm. So I found the faucet, in other words. I was like, okay, now I know where to turn it on and turn it off. Now I get it. I fixed the process. But now I need to scale. Now I need teams. Now I need this and that. And I'm still in that process right now, my friend. But I mean, the reason I'm here is because I have somebody obviously recording there. Yeah. So I figured it out to an extent, but I still need to scale a little bit more for for the vision I have in my mind to actually like, get to that next level. Now that's that whole story in itself is like wow. I got you know? so many more. And, <laughs> hey, but this is I the shortened power it of as stories. much as I could for you. But. This is the power of stories. You know, just even something as subtle as I had proper paperwork. You know how many people and how many people in business, especially I meet that don't have proper paperwork alone. Bro, I used to be a, a paralegal. Mm. So so in my video on social media, if you go check it out, it'll tell you I used to be a prior investigator, a paralegal, lifeguard, a tailor, a baker. I've done a lot of jobs, right? But that paralegal job, bro, that taught me so much in business mm-hmm. because it taught me how to read contracts. Yep. It taught me how to write contracts. Like that that alone paid for itself. And then the other stuff was just like icing on top, right? So because that experience is why I knew about NDAs, I knew about the partnership agreement, I knew about, hey, uh, get all your details. Like, you should see it. I, I I would be more than happy to send it to you. Like, I had all the clauses in there of, like, management agreement to what time frame, to the budget. Everything was in that contract mm. to the point where when they read it and we tried to go in this debate, I was like, did you read your contract? That's what you listen. That bookshelf right there, you see that big red book? That is my book of paperwork. And that's why, you know, even with the contractors, we have around like 54 contractors right now in like six or seven different states. And like they'll come to me and they'll say certain shit for certain stuff. And I'll be like, Did you even read your contract? You sat here and signed it with me. You have a copy. I gave you a copy. But did you actually read what's in it? And then they read and they're like, oh. Yes. It's crazy to me. (laughs) But it's like, not only in my situation, I translated the contract from English to Spanish. Mm. Because uh, they wanted it better in Spanish so that they could read it. And they still didn't read it. Damn. I was like, damn, man. All right, well, well, well. (laughs) But we live in a day and age where that's kind of normal because, you know, I'm guilty of it too. You know, you go online and it'll be whatever you're looking for and it'll be just like terms and conditions, check this box, check this Mm -hmm. box. No, 100%. And we don't read that shit. We just, yeah, 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 just get me in this shit. Downloading the game, whatever, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. They could be like, yo, we're going to take everything on the back end of your computer. We'll never know because we just click the box. 100%. And I I feel you on that because- one example comes out of the top of my mind is uh, threads yep. on Instagram. 
They did that shit too. I, I, you peep game. They did, did that you, shit too. When I first signed up, I started reading piece of it, and I'm like, they're asking for stuff. I'm still gonna hit yes, but they're asking for shit, and I'm like, damn. If people think TikTok is bad, look at Threads Agreement. Oh yeah, it's like ten times worse. Zuck, Zuck is a cuck. Hey, but the, the, the <laughs> fucked up part. Am I allowed to curse on this one? Yeah. Okay, cool. You've already <laughs> done it like 10 times. <laughs> just check it, man. I don't know. You might have to bleep up. Just, no, you're <laughs> but good. um it it sucks because yeah, we know what we're giving up. But in reality, nowadays, you're already giving that up and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Right? How many times do you walk by a building, there's a ring camera? Yep. You know, how many people can access that ring camera? You Our cell phones. The cell phones is a whole nother ballgame. Webcams, all of that. There's a site where you can go on it. I forget the name, but you can literally tap into random cameras mm-hmm. anywhere and just see shit. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry we have to take it down the conspiracy lane because we opened the door, but we can pivot whatever you nah, want. I'm, I'm it, down. It, dude, it's um recently they just put something out that they could use Wi-Fi routers to actually map a room so right now we even without a camera that's just crazy. because of the router they could map the entire like daredevil shit like you know daredevil yeah, where you yeah, map the, the sonic room, shit yeah that's what they can do with wi-fi's wow. right now that's how crazy that's insane <laughs> like Holy they could see us without seeing us right now damn but, but it you know at the end of the day like you can live in fear you can live in you know, like this conspiracy, oh my God, everybody's watching me or whatnot. And you can let that paralyze you. Like I have friends that literally won't come out of their house, mm. not just for like being, you know, surveillance. They just don't like social media. They don't like how it makes them feel, stuff like that. But with every bad thing, there's a good thing. I'm big on the yin and yang. Like there has to be good and evil. Like mm-hmm. you can't just have all good and you can't just have all evil. Mm-hmm. It's just how you use it. Yep. Like how are you going to use this tool to help you do good, right? So even though you're giving up a part of your privacy. What are you influencing? It's a, yeah, it's something you got to sacrifice, but don't just sit there and sacrifice it for nothing. Exactly. Like sacrifice it and do something with it. Don't just do it because you want to just sit there and consume like a vegetable, like other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Build your own and help tell your own story. And so how do you feel about the narrative of, you know, we live in the day and age of, the entrepreneur you know everybody wants to be an entrepreneur now i think it uh the only difference between now and back i was born in 82 i didn't wear my hat on purpose i wanted people to kind of see my grace but um back then i feel like it was the same amount if not like more really the 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 really the reason i say that is because when you're around a certain group of people you're going to see nothing but entrepreneurs, mm. right? It's like if you want to buy a red Toyota, you're going to see you a red get Toyota it every you see day, it everywhere, yeah. right? Now, the biggest difference from back then till now is that I could be here in Miami and I could see a hustler or an entrepreneur, right, in another country. Mm. And now all of a sudden, I'm perceiving it to be more. But in reality, bro, hustling and entrepreneurship that's in the the veins of every Caribbean first immigrant yeah. child that has come to the U.S. My dad's first job was as a taxi driver, hmm. and he got recruited by the by the CIA because he was driving a mobster around in New York. Right? He re, he's, my dad's written over twenty seven different books about all his 
his adventures and stories and Holy all sorts shit. of stuff. So I could go on for days about that. But my point is that as an immigrant, like first generation child here, all I saw was entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. My grandmother, entrepreneur. My mother was an entrepreneur back in our country. Every part of my lineage, there was no one that had a like nine to five per se. And so they they created things in their categories or in just the act of business itself? I would say business itself because okay. the range of businesses varied. So there was like salon. My grandma had a salon with over 50 different chairs. Like it mm. was a huge 4,000 square foot kind of building in Dominican Republic. My mom was a florist for a while. Then she became a bookkeeper and now she's an accountant. Uh, my dad did uh, taxi driving, but my dad's hustle was the one that showed me the work ethic. Hmm. He literally did everything under the sun. He had a call booth center. He had um, a private limo company. He had a travel agency. He taught English in the Bronx, in the back of the travel agency. And he didn't even know English. <laughs> so it's crazy, right? But he was the one that showed me that the hustler's way. Everyone prior to that showed me the entrepreneur way or the solopreneur way. Now that I I know a little bit more um, in the terms of what to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Like we never really employed people except for my grandma. My grandma, since she had a salon, she had to employ a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But my mom maybe had two or three employees, like contractors that came in. And then my dad, he was just everybody was a contractor because he was a middleman. Yeah, and he taught me to be a really freaking good middleman. He was like. If you know people and you know resources, you could connect those people and resources and there's a way you can make some money. And it just, it was instilled in me. So whether, to answer your question, whether I hear more about it now or then, I've I've seen the evolution of it to a point where the messages are getting clearer mm-hmm. and people are starting to understand that an entrepreneur is not just an entrepreneur. There's levels to it. There is. <laughs> you know? And so with that being said, there's a quote that I phrased and I learned about it a long time ago. I actually just told it to Wayne, you know, because me and Wayne, Wayne's a good guy. Hey, Wayne, I like you, bro. You know, but Wayne's hard-headed as fuck. Low-key, <laughs> 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 low-key, low Wayne's going to see this episode because I, I was going to be on his show. Uh, and, like, he's been trying to get me back on. He's been trying to figure out how to ask me to get back on. Mm-hmm. I know, Wayne. We're gonna. I'm gonna get on your show. Don't worry. I'm coming back. I'm gonna do a tour. <laughs> so, Wayne, because he's also older, and he he has a nine to five. He's stuck in this mindset of the nine to five. And I just had to tell him a couple of days ago. I'm like, hey, you have to do more. And he was like, oh, well, you should be doing this. We can get into this place. Like, just bring your camera and just operate the camera and do this and that and that. And I was like, Wayne, I'm not using a fucking camera. Like, I know how to use the camera, but the quote, going back to the quote, is the hustler must die in order for the CEO to grow. And when I was really out here doing the shit with the cameras and everything and really going ham, like, yes, of course, I was getting the upfront stuff and, you know, working and doing all of that. But I could not build back in, not because I didn't have the time, but I wasn't the, the I wasn't vibrating in the in the person that i was supposed to be which is the ceo and so now that you know it's more so in the ceo seat you start to think different because you're no longer the hustler Mm. and so you think bigger i have i have time to allocate and think about bigger situations and so 
you know, there's there's people where, and of course, I'm not saying I'll never pick up the camera. If it, psh, somebody's like, yeah, a thousand dollars for two hours, I'm picking that motherfucker up. <laughs> Get him out there. Hey, what do you need? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's it's free. But at the same time, like I'm not gonna do the everyday things and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna operate in that time away because the entire goal was to not be in the nine to five type of situation. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been, you know, I've been in self-employment for 10 years, a decade. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like a decade. And I'm only fucking 31, you know? And so it's like, you have to understand the relevance of where you are and what you're trying to do. I hustled my ass off for the first like six years. I really just started stepping into like the big CEO role where I'm more so behind the scenes. You'll see me out. You'll see me at events. You'll see me doing these things. But just like you, I played the behind the scenes, even though I was in front of the scenes for the for the longest time. Mm. You know, I started off even just the production company ROV with with Dan. You know, this this is the first person, you know, contractor, whatever you want to call it, that I ever worked with in this production company. And he's, you know, he's still here, been here ever since. You know what I'm saying? And just being able to grow from that type of stature i see a lot of people where they they hold on to the version of themselves that's doing really well because it's doing really well and they won't separate that version from where they need to be because that's that fear and you know and and you made me think of that when you said hey yeah we got the 50k but my account was zero. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I really had to hit that. And, you know, you had to take charge even when your partner wasn't doing certain stuff. And so, you know, the hustle still had to be there, but it had to be there in a different mind space. You know, you weren't thinking of, yeah, you know, I'm going to just go work for a studio or something. You opened your own fucking studio and, and that shit is powerful. Yeah, man. I, I want to, I want to just circle back to that quote that you mentioned about the hustler must die um, in order for the CEO to grow. Like I recently ran across that and that hit me real hard. Like there's always a combination of words shared by someone with perspective that you can just be like, damn, I can't even, it's so simple. I didn't even think of that. Right. Mm -hmm. But there it's, it's a breakthrough you have to make. It's, you could say it as easily as, the hustler has to die, but the hustler's instilled in you. That's the reason you saw opportunity because you're a hustler, right? So we're addicted to that gratification of seeing an opportunity and say, I'm going to put myself in front of it so I can make the most money from it. But then when you take a step back and you're able to see, okay, I see the opportunity because that's the hustler in me. If I develop the CEO, I can put the process, the people, the structure in place and still be in front of the opportunity. But now the bag is bigger. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not saying it from personal experiences because I'm still going through that struggle right now. Like I'm literally going, I'm trying to position myself in that place. It's so hard to break away from I know how to do it better. It's so hard to break from that because you see the imperfections because of the years of struggle you've had. Yep. Right. So if someone else steps in and does your work, you're like, come on, man. Like, you know how many times I did that mistake right there? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But it's just the process. You got to let everyone bloom in their own time. Absolutely. And that's where I think I'm learning the most in the the space where I'm evolving from the hustler to the CEO is learning that people have to 
blossom in their own time frame and they need to gain that perspective that you gained by hitting yourself in the head right it's like kids growing up these days never experienced that fear of death mm. and then surviving it like how many think about how many times growing up you were probably out playing in the streets and you put yourself in a crazy environment mm -hmm. that if i mean nowadays if you put yourself in that environment you might you might end up dead yeah but kids don't have that liberty anymore mm -hmm. you know my kids don't have the ability to experience that near-death experience nah. and then learn from it and come out the other end which is the same thing where your team has to not experience that they're gonna die but they may feel like they they are if the client's that there and the, and the audio's not working yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. But that's what's going to make them remember not to do it again. Mm -hmm. You got to let them fail at it. So that's what I'm starting to learn. And, and it's working, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a vast world and it hurts, you know, because once you do develop and I, and I will say, you know, at this point, I've, I've definitely developed that. You would say I developed that pretty, pretty well. You know what I'm saying? Like, it hurts because you develop that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And in that pain, I don't micromanage because I understand that they have to have that pain. But where it hurts me is this is the fucking company. Like, <laughs> you're fucking up in my shit and yeah. I'm taking the hit for it. But I understand that I have to take the hit for it. And I will be so patient. You know, Dan can tell you I will be so patient. Don't get me wrong. I'll curse them the fuck out. Mm -hmm. But in that patience, you know, in me cursing people out and saying certain things comes. This guy actually cares for me to a certain type of level because he didn't fire me. <laughs> he let me make my mistake. And, you know, the most I got was cursed out. You know, yeah. they might get fined every now and then. You know what I'm saying? But that's it like i let it keep going and it's and it's more than you know some the same person might have more than one mistake mm -hmm. and i'll send them out there i've lost clients because. over my contractors and every time i talk to somebody and they're like you know what's what's some of the secrets what's some of this what's some of that you know because i tell people all the time i say look listen and it's no it's it's no shots at any contractors that are in rov but we don't have the best of the best. We don't have the people that are doing like blank square production type stuff because you got to go through a whole dissertation to get in, you know, to get into that type of company and everything like that. We have people that are, you know, they'll be rough around the edges. You know, I'll give them that. But we have individuals that where I hire for personality mm. and train for skill. And so when you operate like that, you get you get assholes you know you mm -hmm. get people that that are kind of rough around the edge or don't really aren't business savvy and so they may not understand things but it's a lot easier to develop over time you know somebody like ali when we met him he was doing swimwear you know what i'm saying he's paying us two grand a month to shoot the stuff and i said hey instead of you giving me that money what if i taught you how to use that camera and then you come and join the company and, you know, he was working at Apple at the time, too. You know, he doesn't work at Apple anymore. You know, he's, he's almost pretty much full time, you know, photography, videography. And it's like. I've hired also the people that have their own companies that have their own stuff, and they're the more arrogant ones because they have a path on how they want to do things or how they want things to go and everything like that. And it's a bigger picture always, you know, it's a bigger picture of. I see where we want to go. And, you know, now we do have accolades like 
Orange Blossom Classic at Hard Rock and Danny's and Bacardi and, you know, Rolling Loud last year. We didn't do it this year. Uh, you know, DJ Khaled's golf tournament three days ago or four days ago. I saw whatever. That. that was fire. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we do have these, but that only stems from a strong leadership position and, and having that. And, you know, even in myself, I am struggling as well on trying to build that type of leadership because these are people that they never really had to get that leadership level instilled. They'll Ooh. do a great job at actual, you know, photography, videography. But when it comes to the little things, the business basics, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, time management, discipline. And, you know, I definitely got a lot of that from the Marine Corps. Yeah. They, they kicked my ass. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I went on deployments. I had to deal with real shit. You know what I mean? Like for death type stuff. So. Yeah. And and it was it was hard. And so coming out here and formulating something where, hey, we got to work together. Hey, you know, you have that team aspect. You know, my patience is long and short at the same time because I will give you time to build if you're building. I won't give you time if you're wasting my time. Yeah, and people misconfuse both of them like oh you're not patient enough it's like no you're not fucking giving me everything that you can give me you know we had a group chat the other day mm. it was like 3am and yeah. I randomly went the fuck I was, off yeah, I was like, <laughs> so, so you going back to like when you um, when you you're expressive about you know your company vision to your team right I have similar things that happen to me and uh, shout out to my boy Barry McQueen he'll uh, he'll be like oh angels on one again right it's like it's like i can let things go man i'm patient it takes a lot to really ruffle my feathers um and but just when i see that like what you're saying about time management or you're doing something but or you say something and you're not doing it or you're kind of like going back on your word those are all triggers to me because mm -hmm. those were all price of admission for me to even be at the table when i was going through all my l's so for you to show me that you're going to do that behavior and me still let you be at the table, we got a problem. Mm. We're going to have to address it, right? Mm. And my tactics may not always be the best. I'll admit it. But I will tell you, I'll check my team around me. My immediate team, I'll check them. Like, I, I'll check Baron any day. I'll check Derenia any day. <laughs> that's, like, that's what I have to do. Mm. Because in order to be a good leader... What I learned is that I, if I focused on the customer and my team, I wasn't doing the best for my team. What I needed to do was forget about the customer because that was part of what I like to call like the tasks that are outside of my control. Mm -hmm. Like I could get the customer in and if they're dealing with me directly, they're going to obviously get Ritz-Carlton type of service because yeah. I bled for the business. Yeah. But if they deal with my team, it's not that they're not going to get the same level of service. They're going to get the same level of service up to the passion and dedication of that team member. Mm. Right. So what can I do to then instill that passion in that team member so that when they do see a customer that they could try to get to the point of being as passionate as me? So when I did that and I pivoted and I started focusing on my team and saying, what do you need? What will make your job easier? I started making lighting diagrams. I started making client uh, checklists. Mm. Like, hey, when this client gets here, they like this setup. They like 
this amount of mics. They like, you know, the light positioned in this way. Mm-hmm. And that in turn helped them be better at what they do. Which helped the customer. Which and it, it bled down to the customer, right? Mm-hmm. But then I was still able to stay in the in the mode of operating that I wanted to be in in not grabbing the camera. Like I've shot for over 15 years, my like I could do it. Mm-hmm. I could grab the camera right now and figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I had to put the camera down in order to build something bigger than me. The hustler must die in order for the CEO to grow. <laughs> I had to put it down, you know? Absolutely right. One hundred. That's why it hit me so hard. Mm. When I heard it, I was like, damn, that is so true. Nah, absolutely. And so, you know, now you have this studio, you have this space, you know, it's it's an event space, but also like a podcasting studio and everything. You know, what would be your goal ultimately that you're actually trying to achieve in the long run? What do you want to do? Right now I'm in scaling mode. So the hardest thing about scaling is that, let's go back to the question around process, right? So I figured out the process on editing and shooting, making it really simple and easy for the client to get the product. Mm. But then my competitive advantage became or evolved into how I tailored that experience to every customer. It was never like, and not to knock most of the studios that are around here, but the typical podcast studio model is I'm going to have a room set and designed in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And the client is going to step into that room and use it. And that's just how you can make it a repeatable thing. It's business 101. You need yeah. to make it so that it's easy to do for the client. It's easy to do for the team. And you can repeat it and you can make money off of it. The downside to that is that my competitive advantage was the counter opposite. So in order for me to provide even more value of what was happening around here, I tailor sets to every customer. Mm. Now, if a customer wants a specific uh, template set, I have a black set and a white set, a white background set that they could generally use. But when a customer really comes in and invests with us, we invest back in them and we say, hey, get a neon sign get some chairs, we'll store it for you. Before you come in, we'll set up your set so that when you come in here, no one can look at your podcast and say, ah, I know where they shot. Dude, (laughs) what the fuck have I been saying, Dan? (laughs) Literally, we sound exactly alike because I shit you not. That's what I said, Dan. I said, we're looking for a spot where we can have storage space. And I want each person's stuff to be different. I said, you don't want to know like, oh, this this person shot at AV Studios or this person shot at whatever mm-hmm. or whatever. I said, we want to have chairs on hand, couches on hand, tables on hand, different mics on hand, stands, arms, whatever. And we'll have somebody there. Hey, let us know when you want to book this and whatever. And we'll set it up before you get there. But, you know, break that into subscriptions, you know, monthly subscriptions and all of that type of stuff or whatever. And you know, if they want that setup, and if it's somebody that just wants to, uh, whatever setup you give them, they'll have that price. Yeah. But that's amazing. And look, like I'm down to build together. Like I'm not opposed. I I'm a big fan of a slice of the cake is better than having to try to get to the whole cake. Mm-hmm. Like it's cool. I'll take a slice. We can build together, build a whole pie, and everybody can have a slice, right? Um. But shout out to the people that are providing this solution in my mind right now. Wayfair. Uh, rent a center, mm-hmm. right? You could think of the possible solutions for storage by renting different sets, or maybe having your own storage within the studio space. Yeah. So right now, my studio space isn't 
extremely big how I would like to have it. I like to say that we use our space wisely. It's 586 square feet. Okay. And then it has a, a section in the back with 100 square foot like office space. And I'm able to make at least five to 10 different sets out of that space. I've had Fire. HBO come in. I've had the University of Miami come in. Um, I've had uh, CONCACAF, FIFA people come in. All sorts of stuff and modify the space. And that's always been the customer feedback is that they like how the space is modular and that you could change it to whatever you want, hmm. right? And this all came from learning, right? So remember, I struggled in the beginning in the studio space not knowing what the customer wanted. Mm -hmm. But then I said, okay, well, let me start asking them. Instead of me marketing it like what I see other studios marketing, let me ask my customer base and see what they respond and let me market that. And once I started to do that, I saw that everyone could eat. I could literally teach as many people as I want how to build a podcast studio and I will still have enough clients to 100%. make the studio still stay alive. We've been to, we've been open three years. We're now heading past the hobby phase in IRS's eyes. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we've been lucky enough to be in the green. Mm -hmm. So that's great. But now what's next, right? The next vision is scale. I need to get a bigger space. I need to think, how does it look like to still allow a price of entry for anyone and also cater to music, big music production studios or big video production studios that want to come and use big sets and Ari Alexa cameras and lighting and stuff like that? Because those are two different worlds, mm -hmm. right? I'm a fan of always being an impact on the community. So how can I continue to offer a price point of $115 per session with engineering for one hour? And I'm going to put it out there. One of the only studios offering one hour blocks. If y'all want to compete, I'm going to give you the sauce. Offer a one hour block. Watch your client base grow. Well, <laughs> I know two other people that offer hour blocks as well, you know, but that that is nice, though. Hour blocks with custom studio sets yes that's insane that is that is insane <laughs> with the custom studio set they don't have the custom studio set but they do offer the hour block yeah the one hour block i think is something that will continue to give you clientele mm -hmm. that is willing to grow it's very easy to weed out anybody that wants to start a podcast and can't maintain a one hour block yeah very easy because you made it so easy for them to pay for it it's it's low enough where they can profit and it's low enough that it's easy for them to pay and save up for it. But the consistency always gets them. Mm -hmm. Being able to get the guests always gets them. Mm -hmm. So now what I'm starting to notice is that there's other answers to questions that my clients have that other people aren't providing. So a solution to booking. How hard is it to book a guest when you have to coordinate with the guest schedule plus what the studio schedule is? Mm. Right? Well, why not make a Calendly for each guest or podcast that's in on your studio? Sync it with your studio's calendar. Exactly. And now you send that to the guests. Mm -hmm. Now they're do they're booking and, and confirming right there without you having to go back and forth. Yeah. That is where the evolution of going into the CEO mindset really kicks in. Because you're thinking, how much time am I spending trying to book when I could just apply a system or some some computer to kind of handle that? Mm. That's where I'm working on right now.
Okay, no, that's that's fire. That's dope. You know, I, I there's definitely a, a business venture that I want to jump into with you, you know, and yeah, I have an angel investor and she's Dominican. <laughs> you know, We're and, taking over. You know this what I'm saying? Crazy. And, and she, she's been, you know, she wants to, she's been telling me for a while and I, I haven't bit on it because I was, I didn't know what I was waiting for, but mm. I feel like this is what I was somewhat waiting for because me, you know, even right now with how I have things, I have overhead without having overhead mm. and still my monthly overhead or some people's yearly. Mm. You know, and that shit would crush people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't want to take a massive overhead right now because the way my money's tied up within so many different things and we just got these cars and all of that stuff. And it's just like, man, I don't want to I don't want to run a studio like I don't I don't know how to make it profitable soon enough mm. for me to not have to come out of my direct pocket. And that's what I don't want. Yeah. But for somebody who's already done it. And it's like, hey, we can go in here or whatever, you know, then it's different. Well, yeah. I mean, think about it could have saved me about a year and a half's worth of struggle. Like what I figured out when I found the industry I was in and when I found all the other studios were actually already on these platforms like Gigster, Peer Space. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple that you could book if you're trying to do a video like only booking like Airbnb style, mm-hmm. similar to Peer Space. I saw them all there. They were all promoting on there. And I was like, damn. Like, it was right in front of my face. I just didn't understand what words to search for. Yeah. I think Mr. Beast said it best. He just he, he was on a, a, a meme that went viral recently where he was like, I could take any account from zero, from zero followers and in six months have over 10 million followers mm. and make revenue off of that channel. It's really just knowledge. It has nothing to do with anything else. It just has to do with the knowledge that I have and it's stuff that I've gone through that we can apply into any business. Dan, stop dying. But <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> Dan's about to see him here. He's dying. Why you dying, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> leave My it bad. in don't cut this out yeah, don't cut it out leave it about to die <laughs> but that's what I'm saying bro it's like the knowledge bro and it's like people are afraid to take the time to just invest in their own self uh-huh. like you gotta you gotta invest in what will develop you if you don't know about accounting learn about it there's so many YouTube channels that'll teach it right for free uh-huh. They will. Right. That's that's I I dropped out of college. I had my we had a professor, you know, Dan will tell you because I was in college with Dan and he always used to say when we first started, it was just me and Dan, he's like, How's the little company going? How's <laughs> how's your little company? And that shit used to make me so mad. Boil your blood. What? Cause I'm like, what do you why are you why are you calling it little company, bro? You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like he was a drastic asshole or anything, but just that statement alone, mm. he used to say it. And I'm like, I'm finna come back. <laughs> and this shit ain't that little anymore. Hey, I did go back. <laughs> I'm so like. I did go back and I said, hey, how's your little job going? <laughs> we're, we're doing really well right now. You know, hey, I dropped out. You know, you figured that, right? You know, but the company's doing great. Dude, school, school is a, school needs to evolve, man. Like, 
<laughs> Dan's gonna die because <laughs> he know how I felt. Like man, listen, Those are even one of my contractors was in our class. Like that's how he was like, yo, I want to be a part of you know what you have because he mm. saw me literally just beeline. I got it. School wasn't for me. I did it because the military gave me the fucking GI yeah. bill. They paid me to go to school. Yeah. Once that ran out, I was like, you give a shit about this. I'm it didn't out. make no sense. Yeah. The school needs to evolve, man. I I, I wholeheartedly feel I have a ten and twelve year old, mm. and currently I'm in the process of taking them out of school and going to homeschool. Because I'm starting to realize that every entrepreneur has the ability to do it. And you can actually teach your kids things that you want them to learn. If you fuck up, you fuck up. But at least you fucked them up. Yeah. Right? Not, not You didn't give them to the hands of the state. And then they went and did it. Like So I'm a big advocate on self-education, self-development. I think that's the direction school is going to be heading to anyways. The way AI is moving, the way that information is so freely out there on the internet, the way that... I could just open a school right now and I could teach my own perspective on education. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's going to head towards a, a point where people are going to need to learn on their own and develop their own skills and experiences because companies are no longer hiring. If you have a degree, mm. like if you want to go into corporate America, you got to have experience. Yep. In order to have experience, you had to have put, you know, your foot on working. the pavement. Yeah. <laughs> you had to do something. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, the more we can do it, the more ahead we are of the learning curve. Mm -hmm. As entrepreneurs, the, we're self-developed. We have to hit our heads on the wall. But we use our resources to kind of figure out solutions. And that's why, like, the more you get into a headspace of operating in chaos or being able to operate with everything going wrong around you and you still even keeled and you're like, let's just figure out a, a next step that's that's the place you want to be in oh. i'm not there yet i still get pissed off about stuff <laughs> there's stuff that still heats me up i don't think that'll ever go away but i feel like you know i feel like i get better at it mm -hmm. i'm getting better at when stuff hits the fan to be like all right where's the solution let's stop yeah. talking about the problem just tell me where the solution is yeah i don't love money but i love that uh the freedom it gives you you know a lot of people are attached to the monetary value itself. And, you know, I don't wear high name brand stuff or anything like that. Like, I do have a couple of things, of course, but, you know, it's not it's not the attachment to money. You know, there was there was this video I saw where I think it was like a Lambo or something like that. It had the, the suicide doors and some little bear was like playing around with the door and it ripped the door off and the guy was just laughing and the the workers were like oh oh my god and he's like it's fine i got to repair it and it was cool like whatever amount you know what i'm saying or somebody like a grant cardone like paying i don't even remember the amount exactly but it was like 200 million for a door on his jet you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying like and the carpet by itself costs a certain amount you know things like that and so once you do get to a higher level like it doesn't bother you. You know, a statistic when I was in network marketing from from this guy and he was like, they said it would cost him more off of his life if he dropped a hundred dollar bill to bend down and pick it up than if he just left it because Ooh. he was making so much money already per hour, per Ooh. minute that it was like, yeah, what at his age and having the back problems he does. That hundred that he just dropped would cost him more than to pick it up. I said, imagine making that much fucking money mm -hmm. that 
you bending down to pick up a hundred dollars hurts you more mm-hmm. than it helps you. Like, you know, just situations like that become unreal till you get into them before I, you know, before, I, before we started doing 10 K a month, it's like, okay, cool. Hey, I, oh shit. We got to get to 10 K. Then, you know, you start, you get to 10 K and it's like, the fuck I just 10 K that was it. Then you start doing 50 mm-hmm. and it's like, oh shit. Like, a motherfucker might have to do a hundred to really start making moves and start doing things that we really want to do. You know, want to open up a, a schoolhouse for financial literacy, just like Baron was saying. Like, you know, that's that's something that him and I agree on heavily. Like, have a YMCA, but for financial literacy, like in the community, you know, the the black and Latino community, we often, especially because of how we grew up and and just the essence of our community, we don't get that level of training when it comes to finances or that level of, Hey, you know, you can buy this mm-hmm. and you can do this on this type of level, or you can get this, or you can be this or whatever you get put into groups or you get put into chapters and they sure as fuck have a shit ton of YMCA's and the YMCA's is owned by white people. You know what I'm saying? And it's not a bad thing because mostly where you see YMCA's and I looked this up, you know, where you mostly see them are in underprivileged locations and so you're putting these in there to strictly keep them towards you know the sports they have all the sports in there Mm -hmm. after school programs this and that which is fine because it's still helping in a sort of way Mm -hmm. but how do we not have integration of these same type of schools but for the financial literacy portion of it It, it, it's something that's missing in all of our communities shout out to the ymca because my kids like when i got them into ymca volleyball it opened up my eyes. I was like, holy crap. Like, I didn't know that this type of support was available for kids, right? From a sports aspect, health mm-hmm. aspect, you know, keep it moving. Because the pandemic, let's just keep it real. My kids got really lazy. Mm-hmm. They've been all stuck in the house. And, you know, and it's just been hectic trying to get them to go outside and stuff. And I think the YMCA can do more. You know, I, I feel like if more people volunteered their time to places like the YMCA, there can be more of a, a bigger community impact. Right. Mm-hmm. But then if you want to take it and innovate it, well, you need to start talking to people in relative terms to their time. My kids going to school at one point, they were doing a, a project for school. And I asked my daughter, where would you find the answer to this? Hmm. And she couldn't she couldn't say to me, Google. Like she could, like, it was like, no, the teacher told us to read this book and this and that. And that. And I'm like, wait a minute. I was born in 82 where I had beepers and rotary phones and like turntables. And I am familiar with Googling. I could do heart surgery right now just by Googling <laughs> a YouTube video, right? Mm-hmm. There is no way that you're gener- I can't let you live your generation without knowing how to do this. Yeah. She couldn't even order Postmates. Wow. Put it that way. So when I got on, on one, as, as they say, <laughs> I went and I gave her a speech. They call it daddy lectures. And I put her on game. I said, look, here's ChatGPT. You need to do homework. Use it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care any mom watching me out there on the internet telling me that, you know, I shouldn't be doing that. Because that's the world they're going to live in. Do you remember telling you, oh, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket? I bet you got a calculator right now in your pocket. <laughs> right <laughs> so it's like damn bro like don't set me back like i'm gonna set you up for success this is your future learn how to use the technology in your generation right 
This is going to be the controversial reel that we use to go viral. Oh, heck yeah, bro. Just do it. <laughs> All the moms of America. I don't care. All the moms <laughs> out there. The the I I um I appreciate Baron's partnership. I appreciate every door he's helped me open with Save the Creatives Foundation, with uh, Big Reach PR, all sorts of things, and his vision around Save the Creatives, around being that YMCA for communities. Collab has a similar vision, and and I'm not afraid to share it here on your platform. Um, a lot of people say don't share the things you haven't built, but you know I'm a uh, a believer that if you put out that energy into the world, it will find the right people to put you in the right rooms to make it happen, right? And if I'm not going to be putting it out, someone will. Exactly. Right? So there, I, I'm not going to say that I have this crazy idea that I need to patent because there's other schools already doing it. Mm -hmm. I just have a little bit of a different vision and approach to it. But Collab's vision is to be in a 20,000, 30,000 square foot building. Mm -hmm. It's to implement nonprofit business models with a profit model. Similar to IKEA. A lot of people don't know IKEA is a nonprofit. Rolex is a nonprofit, yeah. right? Things like that. And you can still build wealth by being a nonprofit mm -hmm. and applying uh, PR and branding and good business structure. What I want to create is an ecosystem. So if you could imagine for me, you're renting an office space, right? And it could be a generic office space, or you could say, hey, Angel, um, I want to rent a space that's specific to video production, uh, and, and you know, I need X, Y, and Z. No problem. We have spaces with video lighting, computers, everything you'll need to make your product up to par to the big houses, right? But in order for you to get a discount on those spaces, because they cost a lot of money, mm -hmm. give some time back to the community. Teach what you want your workforce or your team to know right so then they go and teach that in a workshop to the community as the community grows those people are now ready to join their workforce or their team yep and then the cycle continues it's literally a never-ending ecosystem where businesses are training the future employees by teaching them things real world experiences giving them the real world skills that they're going to need when they need to join that company mm. Imagine if you were able to get a team member that from the age of 18 was already understanding your processes in the studio and your level of quality for recording content. And by the time they get into the workforce, you're like, yo, come on my team. Mm. You're good to go. And so how do you feel like this? Don't you feel like this would go against? And I'm, I could be 100% wrong and I know I'm wrong because I don't even like college, but college. Yeah. Yeah, it could definitely be a contender. Because not everybody needs to go to college, man. Like, yeah, okay, we need doctors. We need engineers. We need high-level, high-skilled jobs. But I want you to think about how many of those high-skilled jobs just paid for their degree. Uh. There's literally, there's a, t a statistic that says that 10% of doctors just paid for a degree, never went to school. You could yeah. be potentially going to a doctor that never went to school. And all they're doing is looking up an almanac and saying, oh, you got pain where in your abdomen? Yeah, take this prescription. Come see me next week. Let's see if it works. Mm. They're Googling solutions, bro. Yeah. <laughs> they're trial and erroring solutions. So don't tell me that I can't create a space where kids can have real life experience, real world perspective, real problem solving skills, real communication skills 
in an era where you communicate through social media and be able to develop leaders, future innovators. That's where they come from. They come from garages. They don't come from colleges. Mm -hmm. the, the phone in your pocket was built by a guy who built a business in a garage. Yep. And you know what his first thing that he wanted to do? It was called a blue box. He wanted to call internationally for free. So he hacked the telephone system so that it could create the dials and tones and imitate what it would be like when you enter the money into the payphone. Hmm. That is the innovators that we know of to be legendary. You think those are going to come out of college? No. <laughs> there needs to be new systems. Hmm. We got to disrupt. And I feel the people that make it, the entrepreneurs that make it, they have that responsibility on their shoulders. So if you are an entrepreneur out there and you've made it, it's your responsibility to pay it back. Mm. It's your responsibility to teach so that the people that are, are trying to climb the ladder can be lifted up by you instead of being pushed down. Nah, fire. And so, you know, with, with this level of ambition that you have and the growth that you have and the team that you're growing, how essential is that for you to, you know, you're, you're married, right? Yeah. 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 How does your partner feel about all of this? <laughs> oh, I love that question, man. See, my wife is Puerto Rican. So mm. before anyone says yes. anything, that's enough said. <laughs> that's enough End said. End of the right show. There. Goodbye. <laughs> Sorry, that probably messed up somebody's ears back there when I screamed. But um, put it this way, man. Like the first five years was the hardest for me because I had that ambition and I wanted to run and get things done. I was not patient. Um, and I was out all times, types of the night. You know, my daughter was just being born. I was freaking out as a man. I now needed to support a life and keep it fed and keep it, you know, safe. Um, and I was struggling, man. There was moments I cried to my friends. I was like, bro, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, this is tough. Uh, but I thought back and I was like, you know what? These first couple of years are very important. I had a conversation with my wife. My wife agreed. She said, I need you to be here for the first five years mm. at the minimum, because these five years, that's what they're going to remember the most, even though you think they're not. Mm. And you're going to remember the most as well. So those first five years, man, I, I took it. I stopped hustling, doing nine to five, coming home, kids, family, all that good stuff. But there was a hole. There was a space missing. And as a partner, she saw that. Mm. And she was like, listen. It's not that you're depressed. It's the fact that I see that you want to do more. So get out there. And she was really my biggest advocate at first. Like she, if we talk about day one, day one, she's my day one, day one. Oh. Like she would, I would get home tired from working a long shift and she would know I have an event to go do or cover. And I would be like, I would start doing a, uh, what Baron likes to call fear, finding excuses and reasons. Mm. And I would be like, yo, I'm, I don't know. I'm too tired today. Like I need to rest. She'd be like, what the fuck you talking about? <laughs> get that damn camera and get the hell out of here. You got an event to go to. You're going to be late. Mm. And she was lighting that fire on my ass, bro. To the point where I was just like, okay, I guess I got to go. Nowadays I'm blessed, bro. I'm blessed to the point. My phone won't ring unless it's an emergency from her. Mm. She knows I'm working. The kids know I'm working. The kids are inspired. They watch all my YouTube videos. They're probably going to watch this. Mm. And they're going to have it on replay as I walk by the kitchen and I'm going to be hearing my voice and your voice playing in the background because they dissect all my stuff. 
they're looking up to me without me even realizing how impactful I am in their life and showing them that you can do this. Like you can go out there and do whatever you want. I could bring my 12 year old on your podcast and she can articulate just like we are right now. Damn. I have a show that I recorded at my studio with her and her sister talking to each other about their goals and dreams in life. Wow. My 12 year old will tell you as a response to what she wants to do. She doesn't want to go to college. She wants to learn how to do lashes and open her own lash business. Yeah. But then after she learns how to open the lash business, she wants to hire people to, to run it. That's what she'll tell you. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, me at 10 or 12, I think I wanted to be like fucking The Flash or something. Bro. <laughs> I don't even bro. remember. <laughs> I was a weird kid, bro. At 10 or 12. So I'm going to bring it full circle for you for what level of access of information people have right now that they take for granted. I was the kid that went to the local library and came home with 20 books. Mm. And I would have to search and dig through these books to what I could do at 12 years old. At 12 years old, I was trying to find out if I could do skydiving, scuba diving, some diving, something, anything. I looked through skydiving, you had to be 18. <laughs> I saw scuba diving, you could be 12. My parents allowed me to go get trained by a Navy SEAL in Fort Lauderdale, alone, one-on-one -on -one training, swimming from the shore of the beach to the reef, not even going on a boat and jumping down. To the point where my first day I got a Charlie horse and, the, and he told me at the end of that day, I'm not carrying you back tomorrow. <laughs> so you better learn how to swim <laughs> back to the to the, to the shore. That, I was doing that at 12, bro. Damn. You know what I mean? So like for you to tell me you don't know, that's one hell of a fear excuse. Mm. Right? Like you could you can know. You can figure it out. It's just you. You're afraid of whatever it is. And I'm I'm... You know, I could say that that's something that maybe someone watching has in front of them as an obstacle. I have similar ones. I am my own worst enemy. I will not be able to reach where I need to reach until I am ready. Mm. And that's where I have to grow at my own pace. Just like I hold my team accountable for blossoming at their own pace, I have to give myself that same grace because I won't be able to get to where I got to go rushing. There's no way. Hmm. So just to, wow, man, just. It's really informational. You know what I'm saying? You're famous angel, y'all. You know what I mean? Like, hey, listen. This is the first. Honestly, this is the first. Outside of my studio, this is the first podcast I've been on. Hey, we're bringing it in with an absolute <laughs> champion. We got to trigger like some clap in the, in the, <laughs> yes, the sound effects, right? <laughs> yeah, here. sound oh, effects. Drop, it. <laughs> drop the clap on that. <laughs> but yeah, man. No, nah, I mean, what? So just to tie everything up, what would be three key pieces of advice that you would give to just entrepreneurs stay hungry that's one thing stay hungry stay foolish you have to be able to try things experiment fail so so stay in that mindset um don't beat yourself up too much because everyone makes mistakes and you just have to be able to like roll with the punches the quicker you can get back up is is good my cousin always used to say, like, I don't know if this is a Marine thing or he maybe he got it from the Navy, but uh, smooth is fast, fast is smooth. I've never heard right? of that. <laughs> <So, laughs> it's Navy. <laughs> right? Some Navy stuff. But the point of it is that you just you need to take your time, right, to go through it mm -hmm. and, and just be able to kind of learn from those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And the last one I'll give is just be authentic. There's It is so easy along the way to lose yourself to lose 
what you believe in. But the more that you stay true to your core and to what you're about, that's enough, man. You're a human being. It's 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 statistically crazy that you're even in this world right now. So for you to even say, oh, I'm copying someone, you can't because you're going to say it differently. You're going to act differently. You're going to have different mannerisms. So if you go look at somebody's video and you say, oh, I'm going to do that video. But then you have this internal imposter syndrome that you're thinking you're going to be exactly like that person. You're a human being. You're unique. Just like your fingerprints are different. You are unique. So just go about it. Just take those steps, man. And learn to tell your story. That's it. Gems, I'll leave it gems, at that. gems. Hey, so where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, real easy, man. I'm lucky enough to have my um my name, Famous Angel, on IG. Okay. I've had it for a long time. Um, On that account, you're going to see the studio account, which is Co.Lab Studios Miami. And then I'm so big on bigging up the team. So in the studio's account bio, you're going to see every team member that is actively working at the studio. So you can follow them as well. You know, give them some love as well. So Absolutely. Champion episode. Famous Angel came dropping knowledge, sharing stories, teaching me shit I didn't even know. And that's the whole point of understanding somebody's background. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot that you can learn through people's stories. People think it's all about just the successes and what can you show on Instagram, what you provide. But, you know, I learned a lot more from you today and just your story, you know, not only about you, but just about, you know, just experiences. When you gain other people's experiences, like you're able to advance yourself in a different type of way because you're like, hey, it sounds familiar. I'm not finna do that shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or I will do it because it was a positive, you know, thing. But thank you for sharing, man. Thank you for coming on. You know, I appreciate you. Definitely want to bring you back because I do know you speak too. Oh, I'm down, dude. Like I'm even, I'm going to put it out here and why not? Let's set the goal. Um, I'm down to do a whole series on losses and wins. Oh, let's do it. Like I have many, many stories of losses and wins. Um, I'm down to do public speaking uh, episode. Whatever you like, man. Let's make it happen. We gotta make some Let's segments. Build. We got we got a couple segments coming up. You know, we got we got a uh, motivation Mondays coming up with Mari soon. You know, Ooh. and then you know we might have to make a segment for one of the days of the week. But I want it to be more than just you know a big, you know, hour and a half long episode of you know somebody's life. But we have actual skill sets that we can talk about, actual oh, yeah. things that we can talk about. So, you know. Thank you all for tuning in, listening, you know, like, share, subscribe, share with a friend, tell somebody, you know, whatever you want to do. And as we always say, we look good. We live good. Life is good. Talk to us. We talk back and we out of here.